0: Who watches the watchers? That's the famous quote about monitoring people who do the monitoring. Well, if you'll allow me to butcher the English language just for a second, you could almost call this episode How Watches the Watchers. In this week's streaming audio, we're taking a look inside New Relic, who use Apache Kafka to provide a monitoring service at, frankly, an astonishing scale. And Anton Rodriguez is going to tell us about the project he's been working with to monitor those huge Kafka clusters themselves and get some insights out that I wouldn't have thought possible. Or at least I wouldn't have thought practical. And sometimes that's the most important difference, right? Before we start, let me tell you that the Streaming Audio podcast is brought to you by Confluent Developer, which is our site that teaches you everything about Kafka, from how to start it running and write your first app, systems design and monitoring check it out at developer.confluent.io and if you want to take one of our hands-on courses you'll find there you can easily get kafka running using confluent cloud sign up with the code podcast 100 and we'll give you an extra hundred dollars of free credit to get going and with that i'm your host chris jenkins this is streaming audio doors floors drawers let's go My guest today is Anton Rodriguez, who is the Principal Software Engineer at New Relic. Now, I know New Relic as a big monitoring platform, but I'm sure he's going to tell us a lot more under the hood than that. Anton, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Chris. Big pleasure to be here today. Um, Big pleasure to see
1: you in the Streaming Audio podcast. Uh, Ah, Thank you. Podcast is a source of inspiration for all of us. Really happy to see you moving it forward um continue with the work the amazing work team was doing on
0: that he did a great job with this podcast and it would have been a tragedy to let it drop so i'm doing my best to fill his shoes uh, sure yeah, you're going to do it uh, great <laughs> thank you so um let's start with where you're at so you're the principal um software engineer at new relic and new relic is i know them they do monitoring and I know they do monitoring at scale, but give me an idea of what kind of scale we're talking at.
1: Yeah, OK. Um, yes, um, uh, Neuralink is all about the monitoring. Um, because of that, we have customers around the, the world, a lot of them, and all those customers are sending metrics, and logs, and all that, that type of information to us. So we ingest a huge amount of information. Just to give you some numbers, which I think are good to understand the, the scale, Uh, we ingest around 125 uh, petabytes of data uh, per month Uh, that's around
0: 125
1: petabytes petabytes yeah it's pretty crazy (laughs) i mean i I, i'm sure there are other companies doing similar or even more but uh, at least with my experience working with kafka uh it's a lot and many of the best practices I typically use in other places doesn't work here because of that. We, we need to move some of those things to the next level to make things work at that scale. It's yeah. just thinking how many messages we ingest per minute, it's around 3 billion of them. So just during this minute, <laughs> we are ingesting a lot of data.
0: That's in insane. Like I imagine everybody listening to this has had a server go down because one of their log files filled up but you're filling up like a whole rack full of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Minutes, seconds? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Okay. Um, so- um,
1: yeah, because of that, uh, we started like many companies with a single uh, Kafka cluster uh, that was growing a lot. At some point, we have more than 275 brokers. <sighs> it was uh, very painful to maintain and to operate that thing. So we start with what we call a cell architecture, which does basically split that huge cluster in smaller pieces, and deploying them in the cloud. Um, And that's working much better for us, but it's also introducing other challenges. In just out of interest,
0: how how do you split it? Do you what group together customers and what's (laughs) the logical split of cells?
1: Basically, we do it uh, with two different things. One is uh, customers, so we do sharding based in uh, accounts, and, and in that way we can move a specific account to a specific uh, cluster, and also uh, data type. So we have different types of data like uh, metrics, distributed tracing, uh, logs, uh, events. Um, so basically, we we use both things to try to speed the load and um, to make sure the good thing about this is. If we have a specific problem in one of our Kafka clusters, it shouldn't affect the rest of the data of that uh, particular customer or other customers. So it allows us to have some uh, level of isolation uh, for our customers and to make sure things work for them all the time or almost all the time.
0: That makes sense. So, so, okay, so that's your first level of I can see how that would introduce management problems. Uh, take me through it what happened next once you split that up
1: yeah that's the thing uh uh, because we there are two things here first one is and now we work with a lot of kafka clusters at the same time Uh, so the typical thing i was doing in the past where you have one kafka cluster and then you add a new one and you are configuring specifically every cluster for the traffic That's just not possible. Now we have more than 100 clusters. We cannot go cluster per cluster uh, optimizing for the traffic of that one. So basically, we group them for functionality, like, for example, a group of clusters for ingestion. And all those clusters have the same configuration, the the same uh, topics, uh, everything is is the same. So if we change something, we change something for all of them, which is really good for being able to uh, manage and um, operate those clusters, but at the same time introduces new challenges in the sense of uh, maybe because the traffic is slightly different between them, find the right spot, the right configuration for all of them. It's mm. much more complicated.
0: But you're splitting it logically, so hopefully there's something common to all your ingestion things that will sort of work out and something common to all your consumer end stuff.
1: Yeah, there are things we can use. Um But, uh, and and we use them for sure, but there are also things which make things more complicated. Like, for example, uh, the accounts, our customers, we have uh, really big customers, which is uh, slightly difficult to move them. Uh, And we have other customers which are uh, smaller. Uh, So, you know, put everything together to make sure they uh, work without affecting one to another ones. Uh, well, you know, It requires some configuration. We, we, we need to have Kafka quotas in place. We need all our infrastructure being able to uh, react to changes in real time and to adapt to those situations. And that's another of the challenges we have is all those clas- clusters of our cell architecture. Uh, in any moment, we can add new clusters or we can decommission uh, some of them. So all our tooling, all our processes, need to be aware of that because it's just this past is, is not going to be permanent in any moment we can just decide to decommission it or create a new one um, and all the traffic can be affected by that our customers can uh, shouldn't notice all those changes under the hood so that introduces also some uh, some challenges how we operate these which are not so typical or in, in other places
0: yeah yeah and meanwhile you've got all your customers presumably some of them at any one time they are expecting to be able to see in real time the data that will solve their problems and their production issues so you've got yeah, to be really transparent underneath the their surface right yeah it has to be um
1: it's just of, of course they want to go to neuralink and have those, those those boas and see how the data is receiving but uh even more important for us is most of our customers have alerts basically in the data. So if yep. uh, any specific software stops uh, reporting data, they want to receive an alert saying, hey, your service is not reporting data. So we need to have all the logic in our pipelines to detect that type of situations and generate those alerts. And we need to do it at the scale of 3 billion messages per second. So, <laughs> Yeah.
0: And in real time, right?
1: Yeah, it's... I, I, it's near real time uh it's not we don't have uh, such strong requirements in terms of latency uh, thinking for example in in an alert uh it doesn't matter if the alert uh, if we launch the alert like a couple of seconds later that's for most of our customers it's just okay, so we have some you know uh room we we can play with uh in terms of latency there are other. Places, other people, other companies with uh, stronger requirements on latency. Uh, in our case, it's more about uh, you know the manage all that throughput, all those messages. We have uh, some requirements in latency, but they're not so strong as other places. Why
0: well, you say that? But you know, I, I sometimes think you can divide the computing world up into what they consider a long time, right? Two seconds—that's pretty fast. Some yeah. people think two hundred milliseconds is slow. Some people think a week is fine, and. We're not in that place.
1: Right? yeah well, we're, we, a week for sure is not okay for <laughs> us. Uh, I'm not sure our our SLA specifically,
0: um, but one two seconds where
1: yeah we're I about. think for yeah, for most of our for example, I was working a lot with the login team and in a couple of seconds we have all the logs already ingested in most of the time. Um and it works uh, pretty well. I know it's uh, slightly faster than other competitors and yet as i said it, I think it's just not like the the most important thing for us uh from our customers is more reliability and um being able to you know to define and to process all that information to really have a nice u i which it's able to make sense of all that data. Uh, yeah. Than the really how fast we get. that's important uh, but it's not the first thing uh, and that's my opinion. Uh, to be honest, I don't work with with our customers normally. I'm <laughs> more much more focusing our
0: platform You're down in the mines.
1: Yeah. So yeah. and I am I'm, of course I, we are a heavy user of uh, New Relic because we use it for monitoring. I was going to
0: system. ask. What? So do you, you must have a huge monitoring problem of your own? Do you eat your own dog food and um, how does yeah, that work yeah. out? <laughs>
1: totally, totally. Um, and, and I have to say that's nice because uh, the good the thing is we can monitor as much as we want. So, you know, in other companies, <laughs> yeah. I have that thing of, hey, this is expensive. Please don't send so many metrics. That's not happening here in New Um I can use as much as, as we want. We have very uh, good monitoring in place, which allows us to operate Kafka at a scale. Some of those pieces are already open source, so other people can use them too. And we are also working open source even more of them. Uh, So uh, that's uh, something uh, I like a lot. Um, um, And yeah, one of the things also is before to make any change any change in our production uh, environment, we do it in our own monitoring environment. So it's then we we change something we are using it and we are uh, uh, confident enough to deploy it in production later because we we, we see that's working for us. Um, because we are our biggest account, uh, it's going to work for others too.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's It's always a, a great way to get a feedback loop if you can be the user of your own service, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Every day. I recommend it for everyone. It, you can do it.
0: Maybe I should put myself on the podcast for the same reason.
1: I think Mm. Chris (laughs) interviewing Chris would be awesome. (laughs) That would be weird. (laughs) uh, Maybe you can ask Tim to interview you as you know. Oh
0: God, yeah, that would that would that would would change things up. We'll have him back next year once he's got his feet settled somewhere else. (laughs) See what he's been up to. So you must, along the way, you must have had some um, new insights into how to do this monitoring stuff at scale.
1: Yeah, one of the interesting things I wanted to share, it's, um, it's eBPF and Pixie. Um, eBPF. Not, eBPF. Yeah. If you're not familiar with it, um, eBPF is a new Linux uh, capability. It's something we have in the kernel. Uh, okay. it's pretty new. Not, I mean, it's not this year, but it's pretty new yet for many engineers. Um, basically it's allow, allow us to retrieve information directly from the kernel with a very low overhead and um, in a very safe way. In the past, when we wanted to have information directly from the kernel, it was kind of risky because the Linux kernel, you know, it's it's a core component. Um, if we break something there, we are going to create a big mess. Uh, but with eBPF, it's just slightly different. Um, we can access to all that information almost in, in a very efficient way and um, without making any type of problems in the kernel.
0: What kind of stuff can you read out of the kernel from eBPF?
1: Basically, almost everything you have in the kernel. uh, You can detect each time an application is open a file or open an external connection. Or, for example, some of the things we are doing right now, it's uh, each time an application, uh, a Kafka application, or broker or the client. It's receiving a package. Um uh network packets, uh, eBPF is able to retrieve that package, to send it to other programs to see what we are doing in Kafka and then uh, continuing the process. And we can do that uh, very efficiently. So it's not affecting latency or the throughput or anything like that. And then uh, what we did with Pixie, it's uh, make this software able to understand Kafka, the Kafka protocol, uh to not only have monitoring, but monitoring specifically for Kafka to understand what's happening. So things which mm. typically we cannot have um, easily with Kafka because we need the extra software and we need uh, to really understand what's uh, how it works. Now with Pixie, really easy things like uh, being able to con- to measure the consumer lag, so how many pes- messages we have pending to be consumed uh, by a consumer.
0: Really. Yeah,
1: you we can, can get do that from that the kernel that tool. a kernel level too. Yeah, directly from the kernel. Um, and this is in the past when we want to do this, we always needed some extra software. There are open source things like uh, um, Burrow from LinkedIn or the Kafka Black Exporter for Uh But this is just something you deploy in Kubernetes, Pixie. Um, it doesn't matter what are your customers, where uh, your applications, what technology they're using, it's able to retrieve all that information, make sense of, of it in the context of Kafka, and show it to you in a very nice way. So for me, I discovered this like, I don't know, nine months ago uh, mm. when it was open source to the Cloud Native Foundation. And it was, for me, was mind blowing all the things you can do, which was not possible in the past. And how it's just not the typical monitoring we have for Kafka. It's just totally different because it's like external monitoring. Um, so I'm very excited with this. I'm uh, mm-hmm. providing a lot of ideas to the Pixie team uh, to um, to build mm-hmm. new use cases. But I'm even more excited to share it with the Kafka community to see what ideas have the, the Kafka community to use it in their own uh, projects and use cases. Because pretty sure we because it's so new, it's so different we're going to find quite interesting ideas out there.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to need you to, maybe this will stimulate some ideas. I'm going to need you to draw the line for me because I think of like kernel spaces down here and application space up there. Draw the technical line for me that gets me from monitoring the kernel to actually seeing how many pending messages I've got in the consumer because I can't yeah. draw that line.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good uh, question. Um, so basically we're we using uh, Pixie. Pixie, it's a as I said, it's a new uh, platform. Part of the it's open source. Part of the Cloud Native Foundation. Um, what you what we do is you deploy Pixie in Kubernetes. Um, Pixie what is going to do is use eBPF in all the Kubernetes nodes uh, to understand what is happening and uh, send all that information, all those metrics using eBPF uh, to a, a shared database. So you are. With Pixie, we have information about what is running in Kubernetes, how much CPU they are consuming, Mm. the throughput, all that information.
0: Open file handles, all that stuff. Yeah, whatever we want, really. I mean, whatever, no,
1: but uh, almost, you know, uh, many, many metrics. We have a lot of information. And because it's just not uh, depending on the applications themselves. It's using Kubernetes as a standardization layer. Uh, Those applications can be in Java, in Go, in Rust, in wherever. But Pixie, because it's just retrieving all that information directly from the kernel using eBPF, it's able to send all that information. And, you know, you have like a standardization of the information for all the applications. Right. And then we have uh, in Pixie, uh, you have all that information, but you have also the possibility to create scripts uh, to um, uh, to create your own dashboards and to modify and um, um, aggregate the metrics uh, you are receiving. So okay. basically, what we are doing in Pixie is adding scripts specifically for Kafka uh, to make uh, you know metrics aware of the context of Kafka and show specific information for Kafka, things like. Uh, consumer lag, or uh, rebalances, or just uh, the discovery of clients. Some of the problems I have right now is because we have so many clusters and so many clients. It's not always easy to identify the applications consuming or producing with Kafka. With Pixie, you just deploy it in in Kubernetes, and it's going to list you all the applications um, uh, consuming or or producing to Kafka, and the throughput of them and you're going to have all that information in you know in just with a couple of commands that's awesome
0: but what, okay so you say consumer lag does that mean we're getting the difference between the topics offset and the consumers offset or
1: yeah it's it's a slightly similar um that's how we typically measure consumer lag uh what we are doing with uh with uh, pixie is it's tracking each time a producer is sending a message and it's tracking its time, a uh, consumer is reading that message and it's calculating the difference on in time between oh, okay. those two actions. So if we have a producer sending a message, um, um, the consumer, because it's uh, reading a lot and it's not able to read at uh, the same rate, it's taking longer and longer and longer. Pitching is able to say, Hey, now, uh, for the maximum time a message is waiting to be consumed. It's wherever, and it's able to provide us in time, which is usually much more useful than in offsets as we typically have in the Kafka community.
0: Yeah, I can see that. So, is that is that tracking? Um, is that tracking every single message, or is it are you just sort of sampling? Uh,
1: it's um, it's it's tracking every single message, but it's uh, most used in the part of the Kafka protocol. So each time we have a consumer. Right. Um, um, and the broker, they are sending control messages. Uh, So with Pixie, what we are doing is tracking those messages to have information uh, and to make that information. So we don't need to uh, track all the data flowing because it could be a lot, uh, but we're specifically tracking the control messages. This is very interesting, for example, for rebalances. When we are adding a a new... um, a new service reading to Kafka, it's typically need to coordinate with the existing services in what we call the consumer group. And mm-hmm. that's what we call a rebalance. And it can be quite uh, costly for Kafka in the sense of uh, the that coordination may affect the throughput. So when that's happening, all those clients are sending messages to the broker. What we do is we, uh, we retrieve those messages to understand what's happening, and to be able to really provide information and context about uh, that. And that's something, and um, my experience, quite hard to do until now uh, because it's, you need to have information in the broker side and in the client side. Put all together is not easy. But with Pixie, because it has access to both things in the same way, it's much easier.
0: Yeah, and you don't need to make sure that you're aligning languages, presumably, on each side, right? It's completely transparent to the application layer.
1: Exactly. doesn't yeah. matter, if you have it, a consumer in Ruby or Java or Go, they are going to work all at the, uh, in the same way because you are really not uh, taking a look inside those applications, but how they communicate with Kafka. Yeah, so it's, it's a total different approach, and that's why I think it's so interesting because we are looking looking at a typical problem in a with a total different perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I can see, especially for a company. How many people are you? You must be.
1: I don't want to lie, so <laughs> give me a ballpark. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I I think in engineers we should be around. 2,000 or 3,000. Yeah. That's the number I have in my mind, but it could be totally broad to be honest. <laughs> I'm really in the-, the technical side of things and not put uh, too much attention. I'm pretty sure they repeat that to me many, many times, <laughs> but I'm not able to <laughs> put that information in my head.
0: But you're definitely in the scale where you can't make every engineer... Realistically, you can't say, everybody does it this way so that we can monitor you. You have to yeah. have a solution that's transparent to that. Yeah. That's nice. You've been, you've been, you discovered this nine months ago, you say, and yeah. you have been putting it into production.
1: Uh, we, we don't have it in production uh, right now, uh, okay. basically because how we have uh, our own, um, uh, our, our own services. Um, we are in, in the middle of a migration. And because of that, uh, we are taking some time to put that in, in production. Uh, in this moment, what we, we are doing is more, from, from at least from my side, it's exploring the technology. What I have been doing right. is have uh, regular meetings with the Pixie teams to test this technology and, um, you know, things like, uh, yeah, I have this problem of the, the the teams using Kafka sometimes have rebalances and it's not easy to see what's happening Uh, So the the Pixie team say, okay, let's try to use uh, eBPF and Pixie to solve this, and they are, you know, creating those new uh, solutions to those use cases. So for me, my approach uh, to Pixie right now it's more in the side of evolve uh, the technology um, and make it sure it works with Kafka, um, and we are able and find things which are typically pain points for me and make it. fix it to solve them. That's my approach uh, right, right now, more than uh, proving it in production. Uh, that's also related to our scale right now. It's just much more complicated for us to deploy this in all our clusters at our scale than probably for another company having less traffic, which could be do it more easily. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, it should be easier for them
0: yeah sure so you're but you're planning to you you think this is part of the future at new relic
1: yeah for sure i mean we are using pixie right now for not only for Kafka, for many other things um so it's it's uh there are many engineers really excited about this about this in new relic and in other places um and i think also just in the context of kafka we are going to find more and more uh, new use cases and things which are really hard to monitor in a different way, and we can easily solve them with Pixie. So, yes, i really excited about it. I think it's just pretty new yet, and, and I need some time, you know, to, to be more mature um, and to work in more places. Uh, but for sure, I'm I, I totally sure it's going to be part of the future. Um, and I'm sure uh, once more engineers know about it, uh, they are going to find more use cases. Maybe with Pixie, maybe with directly with eBPF, uh, maybe with other tools, uh, but it's just mm-hmm. you know the a tool you want to have in the tool set uh, when you are running things in production. It's really, yeah. really, really helpful.
0: Okay, so for the sake of people who want to get started with this, let me make sure I've got this clear in my mind. You've got eBPF, which is the kernel-level monitoring piece. Uh then above that you've got pixie which is both a gathering database exploration tool
1: pixie is 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 the service so basically it's making ebpf easy to use for everyone and specifically in the context of uh, kubernetes so basically you deploy uh, pixie in kubernetes and it's uh, going to put eBPF in every node and um, all the metrics in every node. So you don't have to go to really that low level. And then it provides to you an UI where you can uh, have all that, those metrics and, and build your dashboards. But at the same time, you can also create your own scripts in that UI. And you don't have to really know about eBPF or C, or the Linux kernel, it's something very similar to a Python script, uh, so okay. you can write your own there to uh, make whatever you want. You can process Give information, some... transformations,
0: things like that. Give me some gory details on that. If I so, uh, what does it actually look like? If I want to write a script,
1: uh, it's pretty easy. You go to the UI, um, uh-huh. on the right side. You have like an editor, uh, so you just click on that. You make the changes like I want to, you know, uh, retrieve that particular metric, or I want to aggregate those metrics together in ones, or I want to calculate the averages. Really, I mean, whatever you want to do is super flexible. In our case, we do that too. Okay, I'm going to retrieve the metrics between the Kafka broker and the services and. With that, we are going to, for example, for the consumer lag, we are going to measure the difference between them to calculate the consumer lag in seconds. second. That's just one script. You can go to the UI, open it, see it, and if it doesn't work for you or you want to modify it, you can easily change it yep. and then submit it. And that's all you have to do. And now it's working with whatever modifications you want. So it's super flexible.
0: Okay, and you can retrieve from more than one node, you are not. You're, it's a general overview that you can write these scripts. Yeah, you can, uh, yeah. Okay, so I know you're going to be speaking about this at Kafka Summit, um, depending on when the podcast is released. Uh, the Kafka Summit is April 25th, 26th, this in 2022. So hopefully that's in your future, listeners. <laughs> um <laughs> What, what else are we going to learn from that? Don't give me the whole talk, but what have we missed out?
1: Well, and in, that, uh, in the talk, uh, we are going to, first of all, uh, show some of the challenges when uh, we are monitoring Kafka, things like uh, discover the clients, things like the consumer lag, things like um, the rebalances, so explain them in detail, with, uh, you know, even for people who is not so familiar with those things. Um, and then the second part of the talk, well, we are going to introduce EVPF, how it works, uh, why it's important, what we can do with it, not only monitoring, but also in other things like uh, network or security. And then what we are going to do is to show a demo of Pixie, uh, measuring all those things. Uh, the, the nice thing is the demo is much more straightforward. It's just much easier to see the demo than explain Pixie. Uh, so we we'll want to spend like uh, 20 minutes or so during the talk, uh, showing the demo uh, which I think it's really exciting for engineers to see what they can do and how easy is to access that information and, and to build those things right now because in the past uh, to build some of those things was quite uh, challenging and, and difficult, you need a lot of background in eBPF and C and all that stuff but now every developer out there can do that. And that's
0: yeah, yeah. I, I have delved into the kernel once or twice, and I think I still have the scars to prove it.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I, even more challenging than it was. I was surprised when I started with eBPF, I wanted to understand how it works under the hood, and was doing you know some PLCs, and, and reading a lot of documentation about it. Um, and it's a whole new world for someone who is more <laughs> focusing Kafka and Java is just uh, too hardcore, <laughs> at least it was for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I um, I think I'm happier in application space. Occasionally you have to dive down, but. Yeah, know.
1: it's a very interesting uh, space. Um, one of the things with eBPF is, um, eBPF is running uh, like a virtual machine inside the kernel. and have uh, really? G and, uh, all that stuff. And so in, in many uh, things, that, pretty similar to Kafka, like Java, and the streaming is just not so different because you have, you know, that virtual machine, you have also just subscribing to events from the kernel. You are processing those events in streaming to return them to the user space to do more processing. So, yeah, there are many things which are really similar concepts, but there are others It's just totally new for me, Um, how you work with the kernel. Even when I was younger, I was compiling the kernel in my laptop and all that stuff, but right now it's it's just... Me too, I'm watching it crash, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. So just, I have to ask this to complete the circle. Do you think one day we'll see the output of Pixie going natively into New Relic? Will it be integrated Uh, in the future?
1: Oh, it's already... Partially integrated. Oh, really? uh, so, yeah. Yes. I mean, Pixie is a totally independent project. It's part of the Cloud Native Foundation. You hmm. don't have to use New Relic at all if you want to use Pixie. Uh, but if you want to use Pixie with New Relic, uh, you want to combine the, uh, all the features and services we have in New Relic with Pixie, you can also uh, do it. So it's, I mean, um, the engineers... Uh, Many engineers working in Pixie work for New Relic, so I think it makes a lot of sense. So I really like that model of you have like the open source thing with the core, and everyone can use it and explore it. Uh, at the same time, if you want to have additional features, you can go with, uh, with New Relic as a service, or just one you do want to host it by yourself, then you have the option with New Relic. I think yes. that's a very good uh, combination, it's similar to what uh, Confront is doing with Conference Cloud.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's um, You want to be able to get the core of it and access it, but you want the option of like, not having to worry about it so much, right? Exactly. Yeah, oh, very interesting. Well, um, so last question. Uh, if someone wants to get started, what's the first place they should go?
1: if uh, you go to uh, pixie uh, the, the pixie website or the github repository uh, to have that all the information it's really easy to do uh, the setup and to start to work with it so um, really not uh, it's really not uh, difficult anyone can do it um, and I think it's, it's the, the first uh, the big first step as I said the, the tooling has been really uh, design it to provide a really good developer experience uh, so you can deploy it in every cloud and start to play with it very easily uh, just in the context of Kafka or in the context of any other application you wanted to use um, so yeah it's only that Um. also you can ping me if you have questions I'm always happy to chat about Pixie Kafka and all that stuff I'm quite active in the Kafka community I'm really happy to to have those conversations if someone wants to ping me directly
0: okay in that case we'll put your contact details in the show notes sure, sure. Uh, along with mine if you want to get in touch with me for any reason too um anton this is i this is one of those talks where i just want to go and quit the rest of the day's work and actually go and play with it and see what it's like but i oh. may have to wait a while <laughs> uh let me know i really would like to have your feedback on it it will be awesome yeah, that would be cool. Uh, in the meantime, I I look forward to meeting you in person at Kafka Summit, and that'd be nice. And if you're listening to this in the distant future, I'm sure his video will be up. If you want to go and see it in action, we'll have that up on YouTube or ever before long. Anton Rodriguez, got to pronounce that correctly. Thank you yeah. very much for joining us on streaming audio, and I'll see you around. Thank you very much. This has been a pleasure. Cheers. Well, thank you, Anton he's given me another reason to look forward to Kafka Summit, because i really like to see that in action. As I said, the summit is April the 25th and 26th in 2022 in my backyard of London. If that's in your future, I hope you'll consider joining us. And if it's in your past, well, YouTube will probably have his talk up by now so you can see it for yourself. If you want another way to get in touch with either of us, then reach for one of the usual channels. You'll find both our contact details in the show notes. If you're listening to this podcast, we would appreciate a review so that other people can find us. And if you're watching on YouTube, now's a great time to reach for thumb up icons and notification icons and the comment box. Before we go, let me remind you that if you want to climb the ladder from your first Kafka application to processing events at the kind of ludicrous scale New Relic do it, we'll teach you everything we know at Confluent Developer. That's developer.confluent.io. If you're a beginner, we have getting started guides. And if you want to go further, there are blog posts, recipes and in-depth courses. You'll need a Kafka instance to make the most of it, so consider signing up for an account at Confluent Cloud using the code PODCAST100. That will give you $100 of extra free credit, which at my exchange rate is worth having. And with that, it remains for me to thank Anton Rodriguez for joining us and you for listening. I've been your host, Chris Jenkins, and I'll catch you next time.